Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. Um, We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. And we're very glad you're here. Uh, We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in every person. So it is in the spirit of that heritage that I say, let us greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. In the first through fifth grade class, the children have learned a chalice lighting song, and we're going to sing it. Our lay leader this morning is Shernaz Garcia. Good morning. Our call to worship is by the Reverend Dr. Andrew Pakula. He describes himself as, quote, the non-theistic leader of New Unity, a vibrant, diverse, inclusive congregation in North London. Born in New York and raised in a secular Jewish family, Reverend Dr. Pakula is known for his bold viewpoints and controversial actions. He once did a reverse plate collection, giving his own money away to those attending the service. He also supported the unanimous decision of church members when they voted to stop performing all weddings until the law recognized equal parity for same-sex relationships. Let there be light. Let there be light. The light of joy, the light of happiness, and the light of contentment. May it illuminate our paths and fill our lives with peace. And let there be dark. For it is from our dark places that we are brought forward, tried and tested, and impelled toward growth. It is in these places that we realize compassion and learn to love. And there was day, and there was night. And there was joy, and there was sorrow. And it was good. We have a mission statement in this congregation that guides our decision-making. We wrote it together. We say it together every Sunday, and we wrote it on the wall. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. If you want to know what we think is the beloved community, we have a quotation on a poster in the Fellowship Hall from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Center that describes his vision of it, which we ascribe to. I also like to have a moment for beloved community after our um, mission statement. And this moment is uh, a jaw-dropping moment of representation for me as a gay woman hearing this song on the regular radio.
the next line is, I love her so much and she treats me badly. Um, <laughs> that, was a, that was a little fib. So can you imagine when you have heterosexual privilege, every single song on the radio is about you? Every single song. And if you have a gay artist that you know is gay, all the words are kind of coded and you go, ooh, I know who she's talking about. This woman just said it right out loud. Me and my girl, we have a relationship. I love her so much. She treats me badly. Um, and for me to hear that on the radio, I just want everyone with heterosexual privilege to let it sink in that that was the first time at my advanced age, 37, <laughs> that I ever heard a song that just came right out and said it, that wasn't on a special women's music collection, which we've all listened to as well. I mean, by we, I mean the lesbians, my people. So that's our moment for beloved community for this morning. I just want you to understand what a <gasps> lovely moment that was for me. With my lighting of these candles, we recognize the festival of Diwali, or Deepavali, which is being observed today by Hindus around the world. Diwali is observed on the darkest night of the Hindu lunar calendar, which falls somewhere between mid-October and mid-November in our Gregorian calendar. The festival spiritually signifies the victory of good over evil, knowledge over ignorance, and hope over despair. Its celebration includes millions of lights shining on housetops, near doors and windows, around temples and buildings. These lights symbolize the deepas or oil lamps that were used to light the way for Lord Rama and his wife Sita's return to their kingdom after 14 years in exile. For our meditation reading, I will read three short quotes. The first is from the Hindu epic Ramayana. The other two are words of the Hindu spiritual teacher, Swami Sivananda. The truth upholds the fragrant earth and makes the living water wet. Truth makes fire burn and the air move, makes the sun shine and all life grow. All the lights of the world cannot be compared even to a ray of the inner light of the self. Realize the constant and eternal light of the soul which neither rises nor sets through meditation and deep inquiry. Now is our time in the service where we enter into an attitude of meditation and prayer, uh, where we speak to God or listen to God as we understand God, or just listen to our inner wisdom or listen to our breath as it moves in and out of our bodies. Let us enter into the silence together, understanding that noises from small children and noises of life count as part of the silence.
When I was a little girl, I found four things really scary. Five. Three of which were real. One was spiders. And one was bees. Um, those were two real ones. Then I was scared of um, the bad guy that would come get me when my mother left me alone in the house. He was not real. There was nobody watching my house to see when my mother left. I told her it would be fine. I was seven years old, and I could stay in the house by myself for a few minutes. No problem. Don't worry. You and Ruth, my sister, go on. I'll be fine. And so they left. And I was in there, in the house, feeling really grown up. And then I heard a creak. And I was filled with terror. I thought, oh no, somebody's in the house with me. But that house was old and it just creaked for no reason. But it scared me to death. And so, in order to be safe, I went in the kitchen and got a big sharp knife. And I went to hide behind the piano. And so when my mother and sister got back, they found me behind the piano with a big sharp knife going. So she didn't leave me alone because that was a fib when I said, I'll be fine. I was not fine. The other thing that was not real that I was scared of was I thought there was this bad guy who lived in my closet. And um, it's funny because there's no bad guy that lived in my closet. Number one, what would he eat? Number two, where would he sleep? You can't just stand up there in your closet and be a bad guy the whole time, 24-7. But I kind of thought bad guys had magical powers, but they don't. So um, my dad would look in the closet, because he was nice, and he would say, okay, Maggie, there's no bad person in there, just your clothes. I'm like, okay. Because I knew that the bad guy hid from my dad because he was scared of my dad. <laughs> so sometimes he had to come check twice. And the other thing that was kind of real that I was scared of was when I was in second grade, our country and another country, the Soviet Union, were having a, maybe they were going to have a war. And so in school, in second grade, they told us that in case of bomb drops, you should get down under your desk and cover your head like this. And then you'll be fine. <laughs> and so we practiced being under our desks with our heads like this. And I thought that the bomb was going to drop over Statesville, North Carolina any day. And so whenever I heard a plane go over when I was lying awake at night, I would hear a plane. And from the movies and stuff, I thought bombs sounded like this when they dropped like that. So I would listen for the That was really scary. And then the president of our country and the president of their country kind of worked it out so we don't have to be scared about that. Um, that kind of bomb anymore right here. But that was really I, I was scared and what helped me when I was scared was having people around me that I could talk to and ask questions and trust their answers. And I would say, Mom, 
are they going to drop a bomb on us? And she would say, no, honey. Turn up, she was right. Because if I'd asked my dad, he would say, well, odds are good that they won't. <laughs> just a little bit less reassuring. And I know that you guys have things you're scared of. And some of them are real and some of them are not. But the fear is the same. And it's hard to feel brave sometimes. And what helps you feel brave are the people on your broom. So if you have a broom in your life. And you have maybe some animals on the broom that help you out. Maybe you have some family that help you out and that you help them out. Do you have friends on the broom? Yeah. You got some friends on the broom? And when you're scared, like the witch was scared by the big dragon, and she should have been, that was real, he was going to hurt her. Then all the witch's friends, what did they do? They got together, and they got scared, and they helped her. And that's kind of what Halloween is about. We get scared sometimes. We get to be a big, roaring lion, or a strong, strong cowgirl, or a dragon, or we get to be a, a great, big, scary witch, or... We, we do something that expresses a part of ourselves or makes us scarier than the things we're scared of. Does that make sense? And if we're scary, then maybe sometimes we can scare the scary things away or feel braver. It's hard to be scared. Grown-ups are scared of things, too. Sometimes we hide it well and sometimes we don't hide it well. But sometimes when somebody's acting badly, it's just because they're scared. Sometimes they're yelling because they're scared. Or sometimes they're not talking to you correctly because they're scared. Or they're not doing the right thing. Sometimes it's because they're scared. And sometimes they just shut themselves in their room and don't want to come out because they're scared. Everybody gets scared. And it's helpful to have lots of room on your broom for people who can help you when you're scared. Does that make sense? All right. Good. So, and you know how the witch in the story, she made a new magic broom that had a good place for everybody. I love that part of the story because when you have, now I'm going to speak in metaphor for a minute, so just for the older kids and adults, and if you speak metaphor, that's great. So your broom is your life. And you make a place on the broom that's not just everybody doesn't have the same place because people need different things. That frog on the broom wouldn't have had a very welcoming experience if they hadn't had a pool to be in. And the bird on the broom wouldn't have had a very welcoming experience if they didn't have a nest to be in. And so when you have your life, the broom, or your church, the big broom, it's good to try to make a welcoming place for everybody because everybody's welcoming place doesn't look the same. Does that make sense? So you got to learn about frogs. What do they need? The witch knew about frogs. The witch knew about dogs. The witch knew about a bird and a cat. And what kind of things that they needed. So they could scare away the scary dragons. And here's another thing I want to say. There are lots of different parts of you too. There's the scared you. There's the irritable you. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. There's the part of you that doesn't share very well. 
There's the part of you that might have made fun of somebody recently. There's a part of you that can't take a joke. And the part of you that can make a joke that other people shouldn't have to take. And so we have all kinds of parts of ourselves. And here's what I'm saying. Um, you have to make room for all the parts of yourself on your broom. Because if you try to kick off the irritable part of you, it's going to get you as soon as you hit the ground. Jung called it our shadow side, our shadow qualities. If you try to kick off the broom all the sadness in your life and just ignore it, is that healthy? Is that good? No. Your broom's going to crash. If you try to kick off all the pain in your life and just ignore it, try to rise above it. I'm not saying you have to talk about it all the time, but I'm saying you've got to make room on your broom for the different parts of your life. Rumi wrote a poem about this, not about a broom. He called it the guest house. Let me read that to you to, to close. This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, greet, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes. Because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. I think what Rumi is telling us is that our ancestors are on the broom. They don't have to just be our biological family ancestors. They can be our chosen ancestors as well. Teachers, musicians. I make room for fictional characters. I've got mm, Robin Hood and the Scarlet Pimpernel on my broom. Bette Midler, she's not fictional. <laughs> Molly Ivins. An ancestor, I claim. We had the same birthday. So, all of those people on your broom, they help you and they guide you, and they don't all have to be wonderful because some of us have biological ancestors who were not wonderful, and yet they're still on the broom. Does that make sense? They're still on your broom, they're still part of who you are. Sorry. And you have to deal. And if you try to deny them and say, I mean, you don't have to talk to them anymore, but they're still in here. And they're still in your DNA. And every now and then you'll go, oh my gosh, it sounds just like my grandmother. And that's the last thing you ever wanted to sound like. But she's in there. I don't want to sound like my step-grandmother. She's not biologically related to me, but she used to fly around with Phyllis Schlafly and talk against the ERA. Equal rights amendment. She's on my broom. But everyone on your broom is a guide for you. And it can be a helper for you in the way that Rumi said. May it be so. Please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. 
As we leave this friendly place, love gives light to every face. May the kindness be performed. Fill our hearts till we return. Remember the way of the wind and This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.